We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Coming up and taking over. So many things I don't want to say You know I like my girls a little bit older And I don't want to lose your love tonight <laughs> Very good. That was awesome. Yay! <laughs> Speaking of... Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landeskog. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom two hands to Kola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You won't see it Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery, your official BSN Denver beer. I'm your host, Ali Monroy. Andre Simone is on the board. We've got Ryan Konigsberg and Drew Kreisman here. And since it is Rocky Mountain Showdown, we decided to bring in BSN Buffs beat writer Henry Chisholm and BSN Rams beat writer Justin Michael. Welcome to the show, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a good time here. Yeah. Who are these children? What? What? <laughs> there are very young people in the room, Ryan. What? How do we allow this to happen? Well, here's what happened: is we all listened to uh, the mashup pod between Justin and Henry, and Henry did such a bad job defending the Buffs that we decided to bring in three people that went to see you to go against the force that is Justin Michael. See, that sounds about right. 2019 wow, wow. Buffs. I know everything. Like, like I know my 2019 Buffs. Prior to that. Very, very little. You're still you, in the trans. It was an 2018. Yeah, buffs. I mean, like I watched a film from 2018. I watched the 30 for 30. Yeah, he took so, like you're in three the months period. watching one game. So he really, really studied a lot of all the games. This would be good though. It was a mismatch. Uh, Justin had all the institutional knowledge. 
the heavyweight. Mm. I just I think it's more that I have less free time. I don't. I think Henry has more of a social life, more friends, so he's out oh. out living life. No, I can while, see that. Yeah. While I'm sitting in my chambers, <laughs> soaking in the football knowledge. There I feel go. like there's a meta parallel to the two schools there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're getting started fast. <laughs> Before we get into some football talk, we're going to touch base on Broncos and Rockies. Drew, we had a chance to see two players make their major league debuts as starters for the Rockies Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, and one of them had a pretty good game. No, you know what? Um, It it was funny. Rico Garcia, uh, bless his heart, man, this guy should not be pitching in major league baseball right now and 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 it's not to say he should be pitching in major league baseball someday and that's amazing considering he was a 30th round draft pick that means every team in baseball passed on him 29 times wow uh he's never been considered a top prospect but he's done nothing but produce for the rockies in the minor league system and they've basically been forced to bring him up because he's the only guy in the organization throwing well, and literally everyone in the starting rotation is injured. And so he got thrown into the fire last night, and he got knocked around by the defending world champions in his major league debut. So it, it wasn't pretty. I don't think anyone who, who tuned in to see his debut is going, I'm a Rico Garcia fan now. But um, I, I think you will be one day. Uh, it's a, it's another great story kind of along the lines of the Tim Melville stuff we've been seeing, but that, that was a tall task to, to ask a young man to, to try to do that. Do you think it's unfair that I started calling him Rico Garcia? Cause he gives up so many home runs. <laughs> I mean, no, no, wow. it's fine. Do it, do it for now. Why not? You know, that, that ball that Jackie Bradley hit is, is yet to land. He actually made a, a joke. Our guy, Patrick Lyons, who's gotten to know him really well throughout his minor league career, asked him a question after the game last night about uh, his transition to Albuquerque, where the average ERA for a pitcher this year is over five. Uh, and the ball is flying out of that place, and, and that's where he'd been throwing. And so he said, you know, did that maybe give you a little bit of preparation for coming up here to Coors Field? And Rico said, yeah, I've thrown some balls down there in Albuquerque that still haven't landed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was like, good for him. You know, he's got a sense of – and it was also weird to see him, like, try not to beam because he knows they lost and he knows he got rocked. But the young man just got to pitch a major league baseball game in front of his friends and family. It, it is the realization of a dream. And so he like he was fighting back this smile, but not entirely successfully. It was it was a pretty great moment, honestly. Do you think that the injuries to the starting pitchers, are those like real? Are those are those things where they're like actually hurt or are they just trying to give them rest? Gray and Freeland are definitely hurt. Uh, Marquez is overworked. There's a difference between being injured, being hurt and being fatigued, legitimately fatigued. And I, I don't think it. I mean, he pitched he, top five in innings in the National League last year. I believe he was second. Uh, when they put him on the IL now in the National League this year. And for a Rockies pitcher, that's even harder on your arm. And with the team being out of it, I, I think the Hermen Marquez one, if you want to go, hey, then maybe they're just being a little bit cautious and smart here more than you need to worry about his future. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about John Gray's foot. I'm not going to lie. That sucks. That's a terrible way to end your season. And you wanted him to go into next year just with all the momentum of this year. And now there's one big question mark. How does he recover from the foot? I think he'll be fine. I think Freeland will pitch again this year. But, yeah, when you're dipping down into Tim Melville and, and Rico Garcia, and it's 
a lot of injuries have come your way. I mean, if you count Bauer as an NL pitcher, yes, he's second. But Bauer's been in DNL for like a couple of weeks. Yeah, right. So he would be first in DNL without counting. Yeah, it's crazy. A Colorado Rockies pitcher should never lead the National League in innings pitched. Honestly, I had a. I can say this at this point. It's been enough years. It it wasn't specifically off the record. So I'll just say Dan O'Dowd told me once. Nobody should ever pitch 200 innings at Coors Field. And, and he had just lived through the Ubaldo Jimenez disaster where they rode him hard for three years and he was never heard from again. Yeah. So if you're a Rockies fan, what are what are you watching for in September at this point? You already have guys making major league debuts. We still have a month of baseball left. Like, right. What's the point? What are you watching for if you're a Rockies fan? Where's that silver lining? It, it's all those guys who have just debuted, right? It's uh, and it's like Ali said, you know, the other guy that we didn't talk about last night, Sam Hilliard. He's gonna the, be one the of video those guys. Of his family celebrating that home run was incredible. It's just so cool. Yeah, and uh, y- you know, their family has been through a lot. I, I guess it's worth pointing out here as well. Uh, his father's gone through the ALS thing um, uh, very recently. Uh, you can find all their stuff on Twitter. I can't remember the exact uh, hashtags they've been using, but find Sam Hilliard and, and his family on Twitter. Uh, they've been doing a great job of raising awareness about ALS, and, and they've refused to let it get him down. Uh, he's had a rough go of it, has Sam's dad. But he had the, the quote of the night last night, maybe the quote of the year, honestly. Uh, no offense to Mike Malone, but uh, when asked <laughs> by Spilly on AT&T Sports whether or not uh, – he, he asked uh, mom, or I'm sorry, dad, whether or not they knew he was going to be a major leaguer. When, when did you know? And uh, he said, well, his mother knew when he was two years old, but I wasn't sure until about 1130 last night. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> wow. Dad's him, man. Calling him Sam Hilliard. Yeah. That's all he does is go yard. He wow. wrecked <laughs> He's that here all day, too. guys. <laughs> that was ro- I mean, that's off the back wall Yeah, of the, of the bullpen. 105 miles an hour off the bat, 455 feet for your first hit in the major leagues. And you kind of saw his profile last night. He struck out. He and walked. He swung. And he, he, like, he, that was a swing and a half right. on that first strikeout. Have you heard, like, I've always heard that um, hitting coaches and bench coaches or maybe even managers will tell guys, like, when they're going up for their first at bat, just swing for the fences. You're only you only get one first at bat. Right. Try to hit a home run. I'm sure they do. I you you can only do so much to try to keep your emotions in check. Every guy will tell you. Every pitcher says one or two pitches. It takes you to calm down. But that first pitch of your major league career, it could go anywhere. <laughs> like it could literally go to the backstop, and it wouldn't surprise any of these guys. Uh, and then beyond that, you start to settle in. Speaking of not being surprised, there was, of course, people on Twitter saying, oh, welcome to Coors Field. Like, that's why you got sure. your home run. And yeah. it's like, come on. No, that ball would have been out anywhere, everywhere, twice. <laughs> uh, th- th- this kid's got very legitimate power. I watched him in a home run derby his uh, rookie season out in Grand Junction. The whole team did a home run derby. He got into the finals. It was a timed thing. I watched him hit 18 home runs in three minutes. Wow. Uh, and he doesn't even swing that hard. Like, it's a very free and easy power. Justin, you were saying, like, he, he, he doesn't get cheated, and that's why he strikes out, too. But it, it, that's just kind of his hack. It's just very natural for him. And he's absolutely a kid who could hit 25 home runs, steal 25 bases. He's a real athlete. It's, it's nice to see, like, a lefty power swing back yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. And it's, it's been, been a, a minute since we saw a true five-tooler like that, probably not since Story was brought up. Right, right. And th- there is the, the big thing is just the strikeouts. But with a lot of guys, like when that's their profile, when you're a big power guy and you strike out a lot, you also don't typically run the bases or play defense well. You're Dan Vogelbach. But 
Sam Hilliard has that, and Dan Vogelbach was an all-star this year with like a 240 batting average. But you can do that in today's baseball. But with Hilliard, I mean, he played. He had one big mistake. You're like, yep, Coors Field is huge, huh, kid, uh, <laughs> in center. But he also went back on some balls. He got a lot of opportunities in center. Uh, this is the first year he's played center predominantly. He'd been in the corners before, but at 6'5", with legitimate plus-plus speed and by far the best arm in the organization. I mean, he has Carlos Gonzalez caliber throwing arm. Uh, you can get a lot of utility out of him in the games where he does go 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. He's still going to run around and, and do some interesting things for you. And even if he strikes out 150 plus 200 times, I mean, if you get he will. 30, I mean, he will. <laughs> if you get, you know, 30 home runs out of him, who cares? Exactly. Welcome to 2019 in baseball. Exactly. <laughs> and and so you're asking. So the other guy who you know a thing to watch. Look at look at your boy Dom Nunez. He's basically showing right now that he can be very Tony Walters like behind the plate. Uh, he's calling great games, both of the Tim Melville games. Uh, he's blocking balls in the dirt. He's shown no signs that he's scared of the big leagues whatsoever. And he's putting together good at-bats. He's walking. Uh, he's got a couple of hits to his name, but he's got a couple of home runs. He already has more home runs than Tony Walters, who you don't expect to do that ever. And But you've basically got now a guy who can hit for power, left-handed swing. He's got a pretty left-handed swing as well, mm -hmm. does Nunez. And so, yeah, these are fun guys to watch. And, and I think there are guys who took the long way to get to the big leagues, a lot of guys that it's easy to, to root for out there. Um, but particularly those two. And, and I think Nunez is really going to be a guy. It's amazing to me. He was exposed to the Rule 5 draft this last year, which means the Rockies didn't protect him. Literally anybody in baseball, if they wanted to, could have picked him up for nothing. And they didn't. Crazy. All right, well, I know, Ryan, you're really, really antsy to already start talking about the Rocky Mountain Showdown, but there is a game, a football game, before the Rocky Mountain Showdown. No, there isn't. <laughs> and that is the, the Broncos taking on the Cardinals at Mile High at 7 p.m. on Thursday. Are you excited for that game? There's nothing in my life I'm <laughs> less excited for than that game, and I'm not even kidding. Whoa. Uh, wow. I mean, it is so – the fourth preseason game is the worst thing ever. Yeah. Until there's a fifth preseason game. Then that's the worst thing ever. I mean, this last game that we watched, I kid you not, was the most boring football game I've ever watched in my entire life at any level. I'm glad you said it. It was <laughs> so bad. I mean, I, I couldn't even pay attention, and that's my job is to pay attention to the well, game. You also had a lot of distractions since we were at the Blake Street Tavern, having a watch party, and having a grand old time. It was. I mean, that was fun. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, I don't know if I would have made it through the game. Um, so the fact that like we have to do this again, it's actually, and I, I put out a poll about this yesterday. I said, Hey, uh, is this preseason like hurting your excitement for the season? Cause for me, it honestly is like, this is drought this has gone on so long that I like forgot what good football looks like. And it's taking the fun out of it for me. So, and 44% of people voted. Yes. This preseason has kind of hurt some of my excitement for the season. And it's Whoa. not because the, it's, to me, it's not because of the Broncos, because we haven't seen the Broncos. Like yeah. We're seeing their backups, their third stringers, their fourth stringers. But it is so incredibly boring that it's not. It, it's taking some of the fun out of, of the excitement of the preseason. I would have to vote yes. <laughs> what about yeah. you guys? Yeah, I did vote yes. It's, <laughs> it, it's so frustrating to have to watch those games. There's just nothing going on for so long. Because usually it feels like there's one preseason game where it's that way, where you're like, I really don't care about anybody who plays in the mm -hmm. last three quarters. 
There's been that, three. Well, there will be yeah, three by the end of this. It's going to be. It's it's it just doesn't make sense to me how they've planned everything out either because, you know, usually the third preseason game is the one that's exciting. That's when you get to see all the starters the longest. But that's not what happened, and they say that that's because they played the Hall of Fame game. But the starters didn't play then either. It was a reaction to injuries, and I'm it okay with sense. it. I'm totally 100%. like I'm, I'm not blaming Vic Fangio or something well, for making not at all. the preseason just sucks this year in general. Nobody's playing starters. Pretty everyone is taking that same approach. We're, we'll play them one to two games and barely in that game, and you throw a bunch of four stringers out there and see what bodies make it out alive. And and that's I mean that's the way I would do it. Me too. I would not play one starter in the preseason. So I'm not blaming the coaching staff. It's just so brutal and and the fact that there's another game here is just like uh, n- there's not a single person who is excited for that game except for the guys who are fighting for a spot on the Broncos. And and, and I do hope the bet like I I hope you know someone goes out there and balls out and wins a roster spot, but it, it I mean I think this has been tough for everyone. So with that, do you think preseason shouldn't exist? Two games. Uh, two games is fine. Just, you know, run the guys out there. Maybe you run your starters out for a drive both times. You get everyone in the swing of things and then get back into it. The only thing is, there right now there are going to be ten games at Mile High this year, right? You can't take away one without putting it back on. So that means we're going to move to an 18-game regular season schedule, which if the – given the CBA, if they make it work. Right, and I'm sure that's going to be a big thing that the owners put on the table. Um, and it's going to be interesting because, yes, you the players technically would make more money, but you're also going to have to expand the roster, which means that the money's going to get spread out more. So it'll be interesting. I think it's a it's a good – it's definitely a good deal for the owners because they're, they're fine with scrapping preseason games. You don't make a lot of money off of those anyway. You get one extra home game, uh, and that, that that makes sense to me. But uh, anything to get rid of preseason's games makes sense to me. Would you want an 18-game schedule? Because personally, I feel like that maybe deludes the product of the regular season. As is, you already have you know some pretty debatable. I mean, I know it would everything would just shift. But you know, right now you have some week 17 games that don't end up mattering anyways. I don't want like two or three weeks of that. I'm fine with it. Um, I, I usually side with the players on stuff like this, just because I have. Uh, they're more relatable than yeah. than rich owners yeah. and a lot of the players are actually okay with it and they're definitely okay with scrapping preseason games because that's just an unnecessary risk for everyone um but it, it's not totally supported by the players for obvious reasons so I, I i don't know i guess when it comes to a head i'll have to take a stand on one side or the other but i kind of i kind of like the idea of adding games as long as it means subtracting preseason games even if it's just for my own selfish reasons yeah 18 games is a lot of football. Like I can't I can't imagine having covered college football now for a couple of years where they play 12 games going through six more that just that would take a toll on your body. Well, you have That's an extra you'd about. have an extra bye week so you'd actually play less consecutive games in the grand scheme. Uh, but it it would take a toll on the bodies and and you already I mean the first couple of years would be really interesting because like you you hear about the rookie wall because of there's so many there's so many fewer games in college. Well, now everyone's hitting like the the wall that just is going to be there at 16. So it'd be interesting to see. I think it's going to happen. So it's something yeah. that we all kind of have to start getting start thinking about because it's going to make a lot of money, and in the end, that's all that matters. 
All right. Well, what should fans look forward to in this game? Give them Ryan. Give them one thing. He is just shaking his head. Guys. Look forward to that scoreboard hitting zero zero zero. <laughs> That's the only thing. No. Um, return game, right? What are you looking forward to about the return game? Someone Watching to stand out. No one's going to stand out because there's they don't have any guys. So well, that's a problem. It is a problem. I'll be looking forward to that. You're gonna watch like in this when the season comes. You're gonna see River Craycraft stand back there and catch and take fair catches every time. So get used to that. Uh, I mean, maybe you see like a Demarcus Walker play who's had some nice flashes. Mike Purcell, you know, is is pretty close to earning himself a spot on the roster if he hasn't already with the cut of um, uh, of Zach Kerr. Uh, maybe you get a chance to see Malik read a little bit. Like it is very bottom of the roster. You made all of those people up. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well have. Uh, but but y- th- this is what you have. You know, we gonna see any Winfrey. You will see some Winfrey for sure. Um, he's on the roster as far as I'm concerned. He's gonna be their fifth wide receiver as it stands right now. They'll probably keep six, with River Craycraft being that guy, just because they need someone who can catch a punt. But uh, yeah, you will see a little bit of Juwan Winfrey. Um, that that's about all. Like young guys, bottom of the roster guys. That's all you have to look forward to. I'm sorry, like I'm, I'm not helping the ratings <laughs> here, but the, it's. I, uh, let's just get past this thing. I have tickets to that game. Me I'll too. Be there. I'll oh see yeah. you there. Oh. Nice. <laughs> oh, no. We'll all have fun together. You if, you, I would not go. <laughs> wow. Oh, you gotta okay. go. You gotta I go. go. I would not go. It's still I need a game at Full report on River Craycraft. Is that, a, is that a person's name? Is that yep, I need a full report a on name. River Craycraft. Oh, please. I'll tell you all about him. Yeah. It's just so unfortunate that the Cardinals are coming. You, to. you know, you just is? talked for yeah, 10 minutes about know. like I know. unknown <laughs> like Tim Melville third, oh, I know. 30th round guys. I, know. I don't want to hear your hate about River Craycraft. I have nothing. <laughs> I, I only know one thing so far about River Craycraft, and it's my favorite thing about him. <laughs> that's a phenomenal name. That that's is. that's another thing for a future the Denver Sports Podcast topic. Let's have a production meeting on air real quick. But best names in Denver sports. Best yes. names. As long River as I don't have to participate. Name does flow. Pretty Nicholas well. Skidishvili. Yeah. What's that? N- uh, Nicholas Skidishvili or whatever the Nuggets. You're giving people some. That dark flashback. Right <laughs> but all-time names. Oh, we're doing all-time names. Ooh. Quentin McCracken. All, all right. right. We got we to <laughs> save some of these ideas for that segment. But I think you, Henry, and Justin are going to need some alcohol to well, enjoy yeah. that yeah, game. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. It sounds like we're going to need some alcohol if you're watching the game. And we're definitely going to need some alcohol on Friday, which we're going to talk about in the next segment. <laughs> oh, but if well. that's the case for you guys as well, y'all go to Total Beverage. They're giving the BSN fam 30% off a purchase of $25 or more using the promo code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. Total Bev delivers and offers CBD products and has the lowest prices in the state. So you don't even have to leave your own home to get this incredible deal welcome back into the show we are finally going to talk about the rocky mountain showdown that will be this friday at 8 p.m on espn ryan i'll just let you have the first words you're really really antsy about this topic i don't really have to say anything else other than 66 22 and 2 and i can just walk out of the room now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would drop the mic, but it's on a stand. Yeah. I, w- I wish you guys could see Justin's face right now with Ryan's face. They're just staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's like the stat that gets brought up constantly, but also wins and losses. Yeah, we usually yeah. bring those up in sports. Yeah. 
but it's not a rivalry. It's totally a rivalry. I mean, ri- rivalries can happen that way. Like, they're obviously it's a way bigger deal when CSU wins the game, which makes CU fans really mad when that happens, and that's how the rivalry like fosters. And it's just we talked about this before. It's a similar thing to CU in Nebraska. It's like one of the teams is better, so they make a really big deal out of it, and then the fan bases start to dislike each other, and then a rivalry comes out of it. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just it, – it's weird to me the direction or just the narrative of the Rocky Mountain Showdown, how it's gone the last, like, five or six years. I mean, I get with CU winning four straight, it's easier to make the argument, like, why are they playing this game? But, I mean, 70,000 people still show up every year. It, it's clearly, you know, the biggest college football game in the state other than, I mean, obviously CU Nebraska is going to be really big this year. It's going to be a big home game. Mm-hmm. But, like – the stakes don't get any bigger than this if you're CSU. Well, and and here's the problem: is that one CU uh, season ticket holders don't like going to Denver. Mm-hmm. That's uh, fair. It, and if you've ever been to Boulder, you would know why you wouldn't want to leave. Um, and the the downside is w- is just too big. And so you combine those things. Like, there's not a lot in it for CU other than the fact that this is the only game that really gets talked about on like the airwaves and on TV and that sort of thing. Um, but I think the, the strategy for like when Rick George came to see you, he did like a tour kind of where he would go before the games, walk around to all the tailgates, say, Hey, what are your thoughts, questions, concerns? And the main thing that people just kept saying was, Hey, we don't want that game in Denver. We don't want that game in Denver. We don't want that game in Denver to the point where Rick George said, okay, well I'll get it out of Denver. But first, I, I we're in a uh, you know a contract here, so here's what I'll do for you guys. If you're a season ticket holder, you can not even take the tickets to that game, and I'll give you you know if you have two season tickets, I'll give you two extra tickets to another game. Like that's how much backlash he was getting. Of we hate going to Denver for that game. Like um, the tailgating scene isn't very friendly to the like an older crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously not a family friendly atmosphere in my opinion. It br- no, it brings out the worst. Right. It totally sides. brings the out absolute the worst. In both it's sides. definitely so, the older folks. Cause I, from what I know, college kids love it. And I love it. Like I enjoy the rivalry game itself. Uh, the, all the reasons I don't like it are the, the reasons I just named. Like I, I'm scared of CSU winning because it sucks. That's the only thing I, I don't like about the game. But in the end, I think the game is is fun for younger people. It's just that the reason why it's being pulled back now is because Rick George has to listen to the people who are giving the athletic program money and they're saying, we don't want to play in Denver. And then when they negotiated with CSU, they felt like they had the upper hand and and wanted it to be a two for one type of thing. And CSU didn't want to do that, which I understand their perspective on that. And so I would have told them if I, if I was CSU and CSU came with, you have to play a two for one. I would have told them to screw off. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're totally within their rights to do that and CU which is the bigger draw in this game and, and, and brings more fans has the right to also say, yeah. well, that's a deal that's on the table. So if you don't want it, then, you know, take it or leave it. And that's kind of where, we, why we are, where we are now. I think even, I think most CSU fans w- can recognize that Boulder obviously has a lot more to lose in this game. If you're CSU, you lose, you lose to the bigger program. You move on with your season. Yeah. Pac-12 mm-hmm. school. Yeah. I mean, I think what really bothered most CSU fans, at least the timing when Rick George, you know, it ultimately announced that the series was going to go from a break is they hyped it up about how they were going to up the scheduling and all this. And they have added some nice games. I think Texas A&M, Texas A&M, Northwestern, obviously Nebraska comes up again, but uh, Air Force, 
that was like the first team they scheduled after that. And then so CSU fans obviously were like, well, what gives, man? You're not going to play us, but you're going to play Air Force. Air Force is a bigger trap game than CSU is. Oh, I'd much rather play uh, CSU than Air Definitely. Force. Definitely, yeah. If not only for just the rivalry aspect of it, which I think is fun. Like, I like going down into the parking lots and having some drinks and yelling at people, but... Oh, just he you really does like that. <laughs> don't, if you're, don't, don't come up to Ryan if yeah, you're a if you CSU fan. If you see me, just fan, avoid me. <laughs> I, I promise you that's the better option. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you add in the fact that Air Force is someone that you have to prepare for all offseason, and, and it's definitely a, a worse game for them. But CU has been able to fill some pretty good teams on the schedule. No, they definitely have. I really That's been something CSU and CU have done really well over the last couple of years. CSU, as far as, you know, the G5 teams go, definitely scheduling up. So (laughs) Matt McChesney on his podcast on uh, BS and Denver Network, Matt McChesney Unchained is what it's called. McChesney Unchained. McChesney Unchained, okay. Um, He brought up the idea of having CU, CSU played during that Thanksgiving game. What do you guys think of that? I'm I'm in for it. Um, it's weird when you do those out of conference games yeah. late because yeah, it is. like you don't have the you know the the whole way like CU Nebraska was such a big thing is because you start playing for the division uh-huh. in those games. It's the last game of the season. The division's on the line. Like that's how rivalries are built. Um, so I like the idea of it, especially because it's a lot harder to surprise a team and catch a team off guard uh, that late in the season. But it does make things weird when you're playing an out-of-conference game that late in the schedule. It feels just a little bit forced to me because I, mean, I actually talked with Matt about how, you know, rivalries, they're, they're games that are played late in the season with a lot, a lot on the line. And that would make the game more consequential to both teams having it later in the year. But it's not a game that naturally is consequential to either team. It's not a game that actually does matter. And so by pushing it back there and putting it in a position where games usually do matter more, I think you're kind of just like forcing it in there, trying to force this rivalry to. Well, then there's the other point that Matt brought up, which was get CSU into the Uh Pac-12 and then it does have consequences. And and then you, you know, obviously the rivalry just ramps up to a whole other level. Um, And, and the CU fan in me says like, no way keep little brother down in their, you know, little basement. But, uh, I mean, as a college football fan, I think, you know, having multiple Pac-12 programs in the state would be a pretty cool thing. I mean, I think that's definitely what CSU is pushing for. They're not going to admit it publicly, but with the amount that they're currently spending on their athletic department, I mean, it's, it's obvious. They're trying to get the hell out of the Mountain West. Coaches in the Mountain West have brought it up. They're saying, you know, like, we need to get CSU out of this league because it'll you know, lay the blueprint for other G5 teams where if you invest, you can make it. So, I mean, I think even the other schools are in the area are kind of rooting for this to pay off for CSU. The only thing is that CSU fans have to support. Like they have, they have to, to be like consistent. Have, you have to not only make it seem like it's lucrative from a TV standpoint, because that's, you know, that's why you would acquire a school is to get the market. And, and, you know, there's the whole thing about how there's more CSU alums in Denver than CU or whatever. But those people have to support. And you got to be able to fill that stadium on Saturdays. It's it's not it's not, that shouldn't be that big of a goal, you know. Like that's a smaller stadium. Uh, and if if CSU fans gave like diehard support for two or three straight years, I think that that conversation would be a lot easier to have. Right now, it's like okay, well if they're you know five and one or whatever, and they beat CU, now people start to show up. It has to be it has to, can't be like that. 
Yeah, that support will come if the program starts winning. I mean, that's been the b bigger problem is that Bobo and that program just aren't winning lately. Yeah, I mean, it's why Bobo is probably on the hot seat going into this. I still think, given his relationship with Joe Parker, it's going to take quite a bit for him to actually get fired. Um, going off what Ryan said, though, this might be somewhat controversial. I'm not sure that like attendance and even winning matters that much for CSU. For them, they're they're not going to be able to match, you know, some of the schools in the Pac-12 when it comes to that. If you're CSU, the reason they would get in a Power Five conference, it would be because the, the school president was able to really sell the university as a whole, both from an academic standpoint and just the growing market of Fort Collins and Northern Colorado. Winning would obviously help. I mean, you're going to be way more nationally relevant. But I think CSU could, you know, over the next five or six years, even if they were as successful as Boise State, I'm not sure that's going to be what gets them over. It's It's got to be the school president's, you know, going with those back channels and talking about things that sports fans probably don't really care a whole lot about. Justin, give us a few players that we should um, look out for in the CSU-CU game. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not going to have Auburn transfer Nate Craig Myers, which I think a lot of CSU fans were disappointed in would have ha added a lot of depth to the wide receiver position, but they got Warren Jackson coming back for his senior year. He's put on a lot of size, looks like he's running a little bit better. It's kind of going to be his year to be the guy in that offense. Another guy I'm really interested to see is Marcus McElroy. He is a junior running back, played at Mullen, has good size, really runs well. Even Bobo admitted they probably should have got him more carries last year. He did miss the beginning of of the regular season uh, with some blood clot issues last year. And so that kind of slowed his progress. And then the guy I'm most interested in is Nuruddin Nuelli. He's a true freshman. S say that again. Nuruddin Nuelli. All right. All right. Put his name in the hat. <laughs> Does have a great name. Yeah. He's a true freshman going to be starting at left guard for CSU. Pretty rare to have somebody start like that. It's either a sign that he is a mm -hmm. stud or it's going to be a real long night for CSU. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that plays out and just how that whole line looks as a whole. How do you think the team will do this year since they, they have lost three in a row? Four in a row. Four in a row. Yeah, please apologize. get that right. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long, long five years for CSU <laughs> fans. I think CSU is going to compete well. Um, I don't. Th it was like a thirteen and a half point line going in. It may it may have changed it's since I lost all, now, up to yeah. fourteen now. I think this is a one possession game. Okay, Henry, give us a few <laughs> a few players that Buffs fans and CSU fans should look do out for. In this real game. quick though, do we need to remind any CSU media about Lavisca Chenault this year, or do you think they know? <laughs> this <laughs> <time around? laughs> hey, I I knew who Lavisca Chenault was. You're not you're not at fault here. You're I not know. We that no. was. That was not a good look. Anyways, um, <laughs> you can have the floor, yeah. Henry. Uh, yeah, so I do think that the number one guy you got to look out for is LaVisca Chenault. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even know what we need to say about him other than, like, he will be the biggest player on the field and the fastest and the strongest and the most talented he has great football sense. Like, like, and that's not even a knock on CSU. That's like most of the games CU plays this oh, year. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how many showdowns you'd have to go back before there was a talent like this on either team. That'd be a fun exercise. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe ever. Yep, but I, I mean, doubt that's not right. hyperbole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying like he is the most talented player in the Pac-12, and I don't really think that they're wrong there. What'll be 
what will be really exciting is that this is how he opens a season when he could make a run at being a Heisman contender. You're on national TV, on ESPN, not much else going on Friday night. Like, people are going to be watching this game, and if he can start hot, like, I mean, he had 211 receiving yards last year. I think that he could probably even step that up just because he he's he's incredible. He's he's the number one guy. One thing that I noticed this week, I think a Mile High Sports puts out like a magazine uh and they did like the Rocky Mountain Showdown preview. The cover was LaVisca Chenault and Darren Chivarini, the assistant head coach. I was kind of surprised they there was no like ra- There's oh, was they, they they second one. Two, okay. Yeah. I was wondering. That makes sense. <laughs> that that makes me feel a little bit better, but and then with Chev, it was because he played the first ever Rocky Mountain Showdown. He played in the first ever Rocky Mountain Showdown, correct? I didn't know that. I, I think so. Oh. And yeah, then not the first ever Rocky Mountain Showdown. Oh, no, I, in Mile High. Yeah. 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 Okay, so LaVisca Chenault, the guy to watch. Uh, I think behind him, it kind of gets interesting because the secondary as a whole is shaky. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. They're learning a very complicated scheme. Uh, maybe not totally ready to go with all of that at the back end of the defense. If I had to pick a guy, I'd say Makai Blackman, the cornerback. Mm. He's coming back as a junior. There's been a lot of hype so far in camp. Uh, well, he killed it plays. during that open oh, yeah, practice, practice that we Allie and I were there. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if that's for real because he's a small guy. He's, he's 160 pounds. But... Secondary seems to be where CSU feels that they might be able to take advantage a little bit. I think part of that just has to do with they have a veteran quarterback and a senior wide receiver with great timing, and it's more about their chemistry than necessarily being like a, a flaw that they see yeah. for CU. Well, I th- for me, that's the one thing I'm worried about. Is yeah. like you do have a, you have an experienced quarterback going up against an inexperienced secondary. That's like the one area, uh, you know, and to me the, the, it's going to be up to CU's front seven to kind of negate that a little bit. Like you got to get Mustafa Johnson into the backfield. You got to get Carson Wells back there. You, if you can get pressure, then you can, you'll be fine in the back end. Uh, but if you aren't able to, to, to get in there, then that's when you start to worry a little bit about what Colin Hill could do. Yeah. And the, the Buffs pass rush last year was not, was not very good, but they have so many guys now that are talented who could really change that this season. Obviously, you have Mustafa Johnson back, but then, like, Jalen Sami, he, uh, he's a redshirt freshman, hasn't played football in three years because of injuries, and I think he's, like, 6'6", 320. Big boy. Big, <laughs> big boy. And he's getting some preseason hype. A big boy. Oh, like you Zach. said that was a little I'm weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like th- I, I think that he's an- the third one that I'd say, Jalen Sami. I want to see what he can do. The one I'm excited about is Dimitri Stanley. Ah, uh, uh, that's another good one. Freshman who's going to start for the Buffs at punt returner, but also just like an electric player, going to m- play around in the slot for them a little yep. bit. Obviously, CSU is definitely going to have some sort of plan to try and stop LaVisca Chenault, maybe unlike last season. Um, and <laughs> well, I mean, I think Bobo even admitted they knew they they weren't prepared for him with him with Bobo not being there for the first you know four weeks pretty much. They were like like we knew he was athletic, but they didn't see that coming at all. They they saw some flashes in the spring game. I know he had a Bobo mentioned like one play specifically where he like took a screen like sixty yards or something like that in this in this he does stuff spring like that. game before. Yeah, yeah he's known yeah. To, known to do a thing or two like that as CSU found out on that I think like eighty yard slant he took last year where DB didn't touch him for mm-hmm. the until he reached the end zone. And 
Yeah, so I think CSU will have a plan for him. Um, he's not a guy that you can just stop with a plan. Like you can just hope to contain him. He's so um, versatile. But man. CU has to have a, a you know a counterpunch there. Uh, if if they're trying to take him away, what are you doing instead? And I think a guy like Stanley, obviously Katie Nixon, but Stanley's the one that I'm. He's kind of a dark horse for me. Yeah. Well, and Visca, Stanley, Katie Nixon, you can move all those guys around. So they're kind of tough to they, game plan for because you can go, mix and match as you want. And they go like four or five more deep at wide oh, receiver. Yeah. They have so many options all the way down to Vontae Chanel. Visca's little brother is a true freshman who's getting rave reviews in camp. A lot of my understanding of this offense, this new offensive scheme with the new coaching staff, is that it isn't about all these little short gimmicky screens, that type of stuff. It's a real football offense, and kind of the base philosophy is that everybody is going to stare at LaVisca, so line him up on the right, have him go downfield, everybody will watch him, and then fill in another receiver behind him. It's it's that kind of just like, if, if I'm watching this game trying to figure out where they're going to pass the ball, I just kind of watch LaVisca Chenault's tracks, because I think that's what they're going to try to do, is just sneak guys into those spots behind him while the defense is so distracted. I'm so excited. I'm so I'm excited. So excited. I, like my, every time I think about it, my heart starts racing. Okay. Drew. Oh, Hello. you're here. Hi. Hey. What you guys doing? <laughs> You've been quiet. Can you give us your football takes? What, what are you most excited about <laughs> for this game? Well, I'm I'm just excited, honestly, like just from a, a personal standpoint, I'm just excited to jump back in and watch some football. Like I haven't watched college football in a little while. Um, I, I've been more of an NFL guy, uh, but you guys are getting me hyped. Like, uh, and a lot of the, I, I think the hurdle for getting over it, right, is once you've been out of it for a while. Like, I've never heard of any of these people. I'm not <laughs> even gonna lie. I just learned a whole lot, but like that that helps you get over that initial. Hurdle, and now I gotta check out Lavisca. I like, I gotta see this guy, right? Oh, we'll and, watch him clips after, right? You like, definitely do. And so, and and I, I can get into a rivalry as much as anybody. I went to CU. My brother went to CSU. Uh, neither one of us were super huge into sports while we were at school. Uh, I never went in Folsom Field. I, oh I never went God. in. Oh, get out! I, never, I walked by it every day to Are go to class. Me? I, I never went in. How? Uh, Why? I I was uh, very focused on my studies for my my first couple of, of years at school I was, I was a little bit of a i know I was, I was kind of a different cat back then i can understand <laughs> that but not even just like once no well and and i so I, this year you're coming yeah yeah i mean <laughs> good let, yeah you're let's coming go with us, I, yep. I'd, I'd love to go out and and take one in i i think a lot of it too was like the the people that i was friends with at the time that wanted to go to games were not people I wanted to go to football games with. Makes sense. Uh, and and as you know, that can ruin the whole experience. But no, I'm I'm excited to watch the game, and, and I'm excited to actually have people around to help me understand it too. Like I obviously I, I, I take a more intellectual approach to sports. I have a lot more fun. I I'm not a big rooter guy. Like both my parents went to KU, so that's my college connection i do ku basketball uh, yeah exactly yeah, right so many people in this company <laughs> that likes ku basketball. i know it's weird but um whenever i would get upset when ku lost when i was a kid my dad would say yeah there are boys on the other team on scholarship too and he would say that all the time and it got to the point where like he almost killed the idea of like totally rooting all the time because like every time my team won i also had this understanding that the other team lost and like, I just want to see really good sports and really good athletes. And that kind of became my 
direction or whatever. So now I just want to watch good football and know that there are, are people out there worth rooting for. So now you can give us next week your unbiased take. Exactly. So even really though I did go to see you, I do not care if they win. Actually, I almost always root for the underdog. Ryan's really upset Stop. right now. Um, <laughs> so, so to even it up a little bit here, uh, I've literally never heard of a single player Justin mentioned, but they're all my favorites now. <laughs> Ooh, I would I, not want to be sitting next to Ryan right in, now. Turn in your turn diploma. In. I know, right? <laughs> I got to go back. Excuse me. This philosophy degree seems. <laughs> this is, I'm thinking too hard about things. I should have majored in something else. <laughs> what a great <laughs> man Drew Creaseman is. Let's just. We were Drew's just too nice. He that. feels bad that Justin's getting ganged up on. It's brutal out here, man. It's all right. It's hard out here for it. a Ram. Yeah, it's 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 a tough reality if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we started the podcast. Ryan and Justin got into a heated argument about the colors of each school. There's just no way that you can say that green and gold are go well together. Wait, are we it's talking colors instead of talking quarterbacks? Yes. Is that what we're doing? Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm just I think it's a little more interesting. <laughs> what the quarterback talk? What? <laughs> we'll come back to quarterbacks. Just Have you ever seen someone opt to wear green and gold just as like a normal outfit because they thought it looked good? Yeah, well, green and gold were my high school colors too. Okay, again, that, that's <laughs> the only reason you have uh, uh. a connection to those colors. It's a good. It looks good. It's the dark green. If it was like a lime green or some crap like that, I would understand. But the green and Vegas gold looks sleek together. The Vegas gold is that what it's Vegas called? Gold. Yeah. Vegas gold. Yeah, Vegas gold. Oh, it's the same gold, I think. Uh, but no, the like, especially when you put it next to black and gold. I'm not saying CU's colors aren't good. I'm just I saying know, your know, argument that CSU's uh, are bad are, is I stupid. I think they're pretty bad. Oh, green. Uh, which ones are better? Green. You mean green and gold or black and gold? Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah okay, oh, he wants okay, to okay. say black and gold. <laughs> oh, CU's no, uniforms look dope. Like they, I'm not. You, you just can't beat the black, gold, white, gray. Like it's so simple. It's the really gold intimidating. Pops, like, yeah. Oh, it's intimidating too. I like that. But I think the green <laughs> looks awesome. Do you know what I, li- I liked better than the green? The Colorado uh, Pride. Those are cool. The state no, pride were sweet. Those look so like a high school all-star team. Dude, you're that just saying be, if CU would have released the really exact cool. same uniforms, you don't feel oh, that yeah. way. I would never want CU to do anything that wasn't black and gold. If they did the exact same uniforms but in black and gold, so like, like gray and black, black. Oh, yeah, be... like, that would be dope. I would just. Why would you go away from the best colors? And and if you like your colors, why would you go? I don't know. CSU should because have done it in the C- state flag, and those are the colors. But that just the to state me, flag. it looks like a high school all star team. <laughs> I'm just answering your question. Do you think very CSU should have done, done it yeah. green and yeah, yeah. gold? I, w- what do I you think, think that would have been cooler. I'm just I mean, there there were people fans that felt that way too. They were like, "This isn't our colors per se." But I mean, from a branding standpoint, it was such a success. I think I can't really argue against it. Maybe, it, maybe that's why I feel this way. I've been too far influenced by how popular they were. So you, if you, if the colors were actually good, they would have never been tempted to do that. Uh. Then they're also doing green and orange <laughs> over here. I like they're the so good. Why did like you do the stormtrooper uniforms? Well, oh, we have those still in have the, You still, you still have, have the, the black and gold accents on <laughs> yeah. there. I hate the white helmets. I think they look terrible. Really? I think they look awesome. I think the gray helmets look bad, too. Really? If I was CU, I would not wear anything but the gold helmet ever because the gold helmet is so cool. You I support the white helmets? Yeah, no. of course. Oh, they you those. just oh, said, why would you change your colors if you like they your colors? They still have the colors on there. They still have black and gold. It's not like they changed their entire scheme. If they put blue, if they had helmets with blue on them, then I would say, yeah, those are dumb. White's just a neutral. Like Every team wears white. 
It's just or the silver gray. Yeah. Yeah. So Which do you like best out of the CU alternates? The, of the CU alternate the helmets? The sure. alternate helmets? Um probably the silvers. I think oh. the silvers are awesome. Yeah. I, I like anything that's all the same. Like that white, 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 like the black, black, yeah, black. The monocr- a- no, a- no, no, no. The, the gold helmet, helmet, helmet black, black jersey, black, black pants. That's yes. the best jersey ever. Yeah. See, that's, I think that's the uniform. Like if you were CU, why would you wear any uniform but that one? Um, Truly. I would be fine with that. But it's because of, of it's recruiting. Branding. It's branding. Yeah, it's yeah. the branding. I just mean, I don't know. It just pops so much If they wore gold, opinion. black, black at every home game, I would be happy. You know what team started happy. that branding, though, with the different unis? Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. What are their colors? Uh, no one knows. <laughs> they should be green and gold, They're green right? and gold. Yeah, and that's why they go away from them to have <laughs> any <laughs> other possible combination. That highlighter yellow looks Oh, God. Orange socks. Uh, Hey, how where did everyone come down on the the Major League Baseball uniforms this year? Because you said you like oh, you like the all the monochrome. They were all it white works and all way black. Way better in football. Yeah, yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't think they, they kind of looked like they were out there playing in ninja pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the worst part was like the white batting helmets. <laughs> yeah. Those just look terrible. Yeah. Like you can't read the numbers or anything either. Like yeah. It, yeah, it was very. I didn't poorly. like the I think white there's a way all. to do it right, like all white, all black, and make it look super clean. Not what I they just don't did. think it's a baseball thing. Baseball, you have like the accents of the socks and like yeah. the undershirt, and it's like supposed. I don't know. It's to me, it's like supposed to be different. So to see it all the same was kind of weird. I think yeah. you could do an all black Rockies uniform and it would look cool. But it ha- it needs like purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah not a like a little the bit way of purple in there. It'd right. be, I think that it'd sell. I was gonna say they should all have to wear purple high socks if they. Yeah. Did yeah. That. Also, yeah. but black pants just in kind of remind me of like women's softball. It is weird seeing major league ball players in black pants. It's like you, you don't realize how used you get to just whites and grays. Like yeah, that, like I feel like I'm watching like South years. Carolina softball or yeah. something. And and I was a little disappointed because I thought a lot of the jerseys they did. Oh no! And you you talked about them kind of looking like high school all star teams. I felt like the jerseys they wore last year kind of looked like high school all star teams. Yeah. With the like purple sleeves or whatever, but I also thought they kind of looked dope. So it was like like there's something and you wear them for one weekend too. So there's 178 thousand baseball games. You can wear some weird jerseys for there's a couple. There's too but. many now. Like when it was just oh, the Fourth of July. I would buy that hat every year, and I was mm. excited about it. I, and I was one. excited for that, you know, the series to see them wear. Now oh, it's Mother's, Mother's Day, Day and Father's, Father's Day, Day. Right. President's Day, my uncle's birthday. I just right. <laughs> what? Why? I love those the variation of the Rockies jerseys for your uncle's birthday. They were, <laughs> they were fantastic. Fire. Well, and they did the Colorado thing too with the spring training hat with, the, and yeah. that was a huge success. I got People, one. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't you? Those are fantastic. Yeah, I just don't think like. It gets old when they're changing up the uniforms so much when all the uniforms are bad. Like, they, it, it doesn't seem like when they make an alternate, like, they're trying to make it look good. Yeah, like who the are Father's they hiring Day? for these branding? Yeah. Like, the blue and pink, and they're like, yeah. Father's yeah, the Day. One, just like, fill in the purple with blue. No, that looks terrible. Yeah. Right. Like, light, like figure out know, a way that, to make it look light, good. It doesn't look good in the jersey, but that light blue is pretty. But the, the <laughs> yeah, other problem is there's different shades because you have like the Under Armour and Nike and Majestic and all this. Mm. You see it, and they're all wearing the jersey, but then all of their accessories are like slightly different yeah. shades yeah, it's of pink. Bad. It's right. bad. And it just looks so dumb. Yeah, the, the the focus should be on making the jerseys look good instead of making them whatever they're Beamy. thinking. Beamy. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Leave, leave the themes to minor league baseball because they do that they very do well. They do that very well. So good. Everyone should have minor league baseball uniforms just lying around. Uh. They're phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to what Dre wanted to be discussed, the quarterback talk. 
Ryan, I'll <laughs> let you. You are a big fan of Steven Montez, so I will let you take this away. Well, what, what's the? I'm just supposed to talk about Steven? Yeah, huh. how you think he'll do? Oh, he's he's gonna have a great season. Um, the best, the biggest advantage you can have in all of college football, in my opinion, is having a senior quarterback. And you've seen it happen just, you know, in the, in the most recent good CU season was because Sefo Lufau became a senior and all of a sudden he was great. Like you remember, you have positive memories of him. Somehow you forgot that he was not very good. I didn't forget, but you got it. I mean, the rise is just the rise. So you just think of that. The rise happened because Sefo all of a sudden went from very, very mediocre to very good. He started from the bottom. Yep. He really did. He yes, he I was. mean, when, when I first saw Cepho play, I think they brought him in against Arizona State as a true freshman, and I was like, I don't think this is the guy because he, d- he didn't have great arm strength. He wasn't great throwing to his left. There's a lot of things that were wrong with his game that went all the way through his junior season, and then his senior season, it just, boom. I it mean, all comes together, and I think Steven can have a very similar season this year. He has all the talent. I mean, he it, you know he has a massive arm. He is fast. He's tall. He's strong. He's he's got it all. He just needs that big jump. And if he can have that jump like Sefo did, then I think he's going to be a mid round NFL draft pick. Got to work on that footwork. Got to be more consistent. Yeah, I sure, think a lot, lot of, of it has on. to do with his uh, the offensive line. I think if he has more time in the pocket, then he won't scramble as much as he did last season and in the past. But with I just I don't know with Sefo it was more of like you saw him go through it all and still stick it out and then the rise happened and it was like finally and and the way Philip Lindsay described Sefo Lufau always was that's a dog from the outside and I, and I haven't seen many of his teammates describe Stephen Montez that way I think well Henry would be the best judge I mean how are they talking about him up there this year It sounds like he's matured um, lots of hype from the coaching staff. Uh, you know, even just yesterday, Mel Tucker was saying, you know, this is a really smart kid. I really like what we're going to be able to do. And going back to what Ali said about the offensive line, I totally agree. I think that that's going to be huge in deciding how this season goes for Steven. And I'm pretty optimistic about the group. You know, they have William Sherman back. He was honorable mention all pack 12 as a freshman last year. Flip him over to right tackle for his sophomore year. He's gained some weight, too. Bring in Arlington Hambright from uh, Oklahoma State. Great offensive lineman name. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he's just a big guy. This is a really big line. I think they're averaging 6'4", little over 300. So, I mean, there's some experience back. The new offensive line coach, Chris Kapilovic, has gotten rave reviews. He's got this group really going like the guys are saying stuff like oh we're actually getting coached now which is concerning to hear for yeah. sure but but also they were saying that about the strength and conditioning they're like oh it's like real yeah this time around yeah that's yeah. been a big theme for csu as well it kind of i mean nobody's like come out and directly said it but ryan davis their old strength coordinator left for maryland last off season and <laughs> bobo was basically like yeah good riddance mm. see ya yeah, it's, in, it's always interesting. I mean, it's it's easy to say, like, oh, this is better now because it's different and we lost before, so it has yep. to be better. So you always have to be weary of that uh, in these situations. It's a, le- a lesson I've learned the hard way over years of watching football and c- covering bad teams and whatnot. But uh, for Steven, I think a lot of his problems have come back to his internal clock yeah. being all messed up. Being because broken. He right, it's completely broken, and that's why you see him make bad decisions – 
from the pocket because he's thinking I have to get rid of this ball and he doesn't have time to process. So I think he has a really good chance this year to blow up. He has all the help he needs. You know, the, the weapons are insane. You hope the offensive line is better. So there's talent there at running back and I can really see a path for him to becoming a legitimate NFL draft prospect. Yeah. I think CBS sports released their first draft board, had him 53rd, 53rd ranked prospect in the country, late second round. You there know, you what I the other thing that I really think will help Steven this year is this new offense where it's pro style and there's some concerns because he's been a one read quarterback somebody who hasn't been able to go through the progressions and if something's not there look back to the other side of the field and find oh, somebody see open the panic in his yeah. eyes when that happens and that's again because of that internal clock he's like yeah. oh my god I have no time but he was never really asked to do that too consistently it's been you know last year with all the screen passes and all that kind of stuff very gimmicky offense now he has to learn a real offense and we're going to see whether he can handle that and i think just getting the reps going through that every play having to make reads having to make decisions look at the defense all this sort of stuff it might not go well early but i do think he takes a step forward by the end of the year i agree he definitely has all the tools i mean i just i need to see more from him to think that he will be drafted. I think there's a chance that he's drafted maybe in the seventh round, but I just still need to see a lot more from him. What you got to understand about the NFL draft is there's so much projection. And when you have that arm and those legs and that size, some, I mean, someone somewhere is going to say, yeah, I can work with that. I mean, it all depends on this season. Yeah. Like he could truly play his way into the first round. He, this could be the end of his football career. I mean, these next I think he'll get a still chance. be an undrafted Even if he stays agent. completely on par with what he's done the rest of his career, he will still get a chance in the NFL. So if Montez yeah. leads CU to a bowl game, we'll say a seven to eight win season, a good season, respectable season, but not, you know, double digits. Who gets remembered more fondly, him or Sefo? Sefo will Cepho, always be the guy. 100%. Just because he had the leadership qualities and the the warrior type you know aura around him i mean he he was behind a bad offensive line for most of his career just getting crushed and he's getting up like holding his spleen and like you know just throughout oh. his entire career just getting that sounds I mean, brutal how yeah. do you hold his yeah spleen? he's holding his spleen out there in oh. front of everybody <laughs> like, that, that type of stuff was happening to him during his career so when he i gotta like, watch more college football <laughs> yeah you do yeah bro you're missing out uh, when he kind of when he kind of put it all together there at the end it became like a you know he became a, an all-time favorite so Montez would have to lead another similar magical season with maybe uh, the actual icing on top, which they didn't get in that 2016 season, to for him to surpass Sefo. I also think Sefo will forever be remembered and the rise because of the rest of the guys on that team as well. You have Philip Lindsay, you have Chido Bayouzie, you have Akella Witherspoon, you have Tedrick Thompson. I mean, those guys all drafted. <laughs> the names that we are dropping <laughs> on this podcast. We don't even have to do all time. We could do the top 10 names that have been said on Today. this podcast. <laughs> give me Arlington Hambright. <laughs> I feel like oh. we need to, to give right. the Justin the floor here. Well, I was just saying, that team, that team had such leadership that will be remembered. Right now we've got a good amount of younger guys that a lot of fans know but haven't seen as much as they've wanted to. All right, Justin, let's no. talk some <laughs> Why are the Rams good? <laughs> why aren't they no, good? No, us, why are they? Tell, tell us, us why just, they're going to just, have a phenomenal season. I'll, t- I'll tee you up. So. I've talked to a lot of CSU. I've heard a lot of CSU hype. or I'm sorry, Colin Hill hype Okay. from you and a little bit from Andre and – 
every CSU fan I've talked about isn't quite as high on him. So why are you high on Colin Hill? I'm I'm high on Colin Hill <laughs> because you know some of the reasons you mentioned about Sefo, he's a great leader. I mean, having to come back from two torn ACLs, a lot of guys wouldn't be able to do. He came back from his second one in four months. Probably came back too early. He had no business playing really the first like five or six weeks last year and kind of got thrown into the fire because CSU was just, they were a dumpster fire and Bobo was like, you're my guy. Hopefully you can save it and save my job. Um, he, he is way too short of a leash with quarterbacks, by the way. He definitely is one of those guys when he's out there, he makes decisions based on emotion and you can literally seeing it happen in the game. And unfortunately for Bobo, he's made the wrong call based on emotion probably four times out of five and it's really backfired. Um, but the reason, if you're if you're rooting for Colin Hill, obviously high character guy. But when I watch him, he just runs the offense like a pro. I haven't seen a CSU quarterback as comfortable in the pocket since Garrett Grayson. As as good as Nick Stevens was, and he really ran the offense masterfully. He wasn't that impressive of, that, of an athlete. And even Bobo will say that today. The only reason he started was because how he mastered that offense. Colin has mastered the offense, but he has the arm. He has the, all the physical tools to be, you know, an NFL guy. He's not as big or as athletic as Steven Montez, but I believe he's more accurate consistently. He can hit the deep ball, and he's a guy who gets back up when he takes hits. His clock doesn't get, you know, consistently screwed up. Are you willing to die on Colin Hill? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All boy. Right. All right. I mean, I'd said it when I talked with Henry, Henry and Andre. To me, if I were an NFL scout, I'd be more interested in Colin Hill than Steven Montez. Should we make a little like uh, beer, like Breckenridge beer bet? Which one uh, gets drafted higher? Oh, Montez will get drafted higher. Okay. All right. okay. <laughs> How about like, for the you game? Think that's wrong. How about for the game? Who has a better game? I mean, find a find a passing yard and completion percentage. Come on, let let's set something up here. I'm not letting you guys we walk out of that like set that. Something up. Who's having the better game? Steven Montez is for sure going to have the better game. By what parameters? Whatever parameters you want to. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> Every this parameter. is the way you're going to get involved here. That's Set right. the parameters. That's right. All right. Just more yards passing. Let's make it simple. Okay. Justin? Ryan owes Justin a Breck brew. Montez is going to have more yards passing, but See, I think... See, we can't get it. You're no. not willing to die on yeah. yeah. No, but CSU's offense is not going to... These first three weeks without Nate Craig Myers, they're going to go two tight ends. They're going to try and run the football. They're going to try and beat you with play action. It's not going to be him right. dropping back with 40 attempts. How are we going to make um, a, a beer bet here? I'm going to say, we can line it up in your favor now. You want completion percentage? You want offensive points scored? We can get we can get interesting here. Is completion percentage agreeable to both? Completion percentage. Completion percentage. Yeah, I'm not really interested in completion uh, percentage. Because then you're hitting screens. Well, I got Steve out here taking chances. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't, that doesn't equate to anything. Uh, okay, how about this? I think I bet you Steven Montez throws an interception in the game and Colin Hill does not. Oh. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. Okay. I'll take oh. that. We'll, we'll bet right. a uh, six-pack of Strawberry Sky on that. That's a deal. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, well with <laughs> My that. My job here is done. We're going to. Let me clarify one. We're not done yet. All right. No. We want a qualifier. I said I'm high on Colin Hill as an NFL prospect. I'm not saying he's going to all of a sudden be like a fourth-round pick and skyrocket past like Steve Montez. Montez's athleticism alone, like you said, somebody is going to take a chance on that, and they would have to. The guy can throw probably 80 yards. 
Yep. But Colin Hill is yeah. going to get a chance based on how he runs the offense and a very complicated pro-style offense that Mike Bobo likes to run at that. I think he'll get a chance for sure. I, okay, I just wanted to clarify. I'm not like out here saying like, Colin Hill's a first-round NFL draft. Right, right, right. <laughs> not at all what I'm saying. He's a good college quarterback. Okay, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and then it's everyone's favorite segment, Who Won the Week? Hey, guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Weinster is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Weinster, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Weinster is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Weinster is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Now it's time for your favorite segment, Who Won the Week? Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? We got a jingle, everyone. <laughs> That's right. It's so and it's good. Incredible. It's so good. It's so good. I'm blown away, honestly. Drew did not make it. I'm first of all, I could never make anything that good. I was like relieved the moment I heard it. Oh, thank God. And then I was immediately like trying to learn from it. Like if I ever did have to do it, like that's my that's my blueprint now. Perfectly done. So well done. It's Shout incredible. out to Eric Schleleen. Yes, who sent that in for us. Thank you so so much. Henry said he had it on repeat. I did. It was a weird <laughs> night. Henry's new favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably totally believable. <laughs> Singing in the shower instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the little walk down on the piano. It's like... So good. It's yeah. so good. I, I mean, I'm, our, B, our BSN community is so awesome. We ask and we receive. Thank you guys so much. Also, who was the beast is going to start working its way into my regular <laughs> vernacular. Ooh, okay, okay. All right, well, speaking of... The Beast, and last week, Drew, you won one. Let's go. Rockies fans got it done. Little three-game sweep of the Miami Marlins got you. <laughs> yes, my, my description of it was uh, for the poll on Twitter, Rockies, Las Cucarachas, and the team having fun again while winning four straight games. Yeah. That was a long time that ago. That was a long time uh, ago. <laughs> How many have they lost now? A lot. They did uh, six or seven out there on the road trip. They lost. Uh, Came back, whew. got one from the Braves, and then uh, and then uh, yeah, the Red Sox thing happened yesterday. Whew. Whew. This, this is right. taking a while. Well, yes, it is. So moving on to this week, <laughs> let's start with the college guys. You since you're new to the show, Henry. So. I'm going to say that the Buffs won the week because they came out of camp healthy. 
yeah. Which, uh, oh, yes, oh. got to knock wood, on wood. Touch wood, we are touch all John wood. Gruden today. Uh, but I think that that is obviously massive. I mean, a couple of guys are a little dinged up. Like, they might be on snap counts or something in the first game, but they didn't lose anybody. And for, a t- yeah, we're knocking on wood again. But Every time <laughs> you say it, I'm really knocking on wood. But, but for, like, for, the, for a team like this, where they are asking a lot of guys to step up and be players that they haven't been in the past. I mean, that's that's their path to bowl eligibility or like a Pac-12 title, as wild as that sounds. They need everybody to step up, and so far they've done what they need to do. You can't ask for much more out of camp than to come out healthy. Agreed. Mike Bobo did say he wanted to send over some wings to LaVisca. Hopefully he can get like uh, food poisoning because yeah. he said that's about the only way you can slow him down. <laughs> Do you think it would slow him down? Probably not. Yeah, I feel like he would just go have he would just go have so. his flu game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd just become even more legendary. Moving on to you, Justin. Why do the Rams win the week? Because Colin Hill is finally going to start a week one game. He's a guy that's been at CSU for what feels like ten years because he gray shirted. Um, but he he hasn't had a chance yet to start that week one game. I'll, I, I just I'm excited for him as somebody that knows him personally. It's he's a guy that's had to come back. You know, we talked about it earlier. Coming back from two ACLs, it's just going to be a big moment for him. Good for Colin Hill for getting to this place and you know not giving up on his career, which would have been the much easier option. Well, I forgot the rules of my own game because I forgot to time both of you. But I think, I think they were you both did it under. Yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> um, all right, Drew. This is easy. This isn't even close. Tim Melville won the week, but everyone should be on the team. If you're not rooting for Tim Melville right now, you are a cold person and you are dead inside. There is something <laughs> fundamentally broken about you. This man spent 11 years in minor league baseball, only to have 14 innings of major league experience under his belt, and he got knocked around in that time. It took him two years to get back to the major leagues, and only because the Rockies staff is absolutely decimated. He steps up, he throws 13 innings of one-run baseball. He does five of those shutout baseball at Coors Field against the Atlanta Braves, the second-best offense in the National League, featuring guys like Fred Freeman, Ronald Acuna, Josh Donaldson. Tim Melville is why we love sports. Guys that come from nowhere, from uh, started from the talk about started from the bottom. Now he's here. Tim Melville is the story of Colorado sports right now. Look at him go. Uh, again, under the, under the minute mark. I don't know where it is, but I'm moving to Melville. That's right. <laughs> the, the guy's fantastic. Uh, we were joking the other day uh, because he pitches like someone from the 80s that he should get to do his, and he kind of looks like a pitcher from the 80s, he should get to do his post-game press conferences with a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other, oh ice packs God. on both knees. Like, how do you not love this dude? Yeah, Maybe he's been great. if things go well enough, they'll start calling Boulder Melville because of Mel Tucker. Uh, yeah. Oh. Melville. I truly love Tim Melville. Like, I just want to hug him. Yeah. That's how lovable he, he seems is. like such a nice guy. Yeah. And how how has um, his presence been in the clubhouse? He's been fantastic. He keeps bringing up this barbecue restaurant he went to where he I drew he worked insp- he worked Yeah, he there. worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, but I mean that he goes to to find inspiration. Like wow. <laughs> the, like what? And you look at him, you're like, you look like a guy that goes to a barbecue restaurant to find inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> but he like he admits that like he's th- he's got a great mm-hmm. sen- he, uh, sense of awareness and humor about who he is and what's going on out there uh, he's given credit to his young catcher i mentioned dom nunez earlier but uh, no one is having a better time playing baseball for the colorado rockies right now than tim melville that's awesome and having fun playing for the colorado rockies right now is pretty hard it's yeah. tough to do 
How's anyone going to compete after that emotional pitch? I mean, that was the sales of a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Ryan will find a way. Ryan, why do the Broncos win the week? First of all, Drew, you should win two in a row here. Tim Melville is getting my vote. But over the buffs. Well, it's just they haven't the buffs will get it next week. <laughs> yeah. Um for me, for the Broncos, it's a it's a guy by the name of Mike Purcell who is similar uh to Tim Melville. Big guy, not many not many people know who he was. Not a lot of, a lot of people didn't even know his name and probably until Zach Kerr got cut this week and people were like, Yeah, it's because Mike Purcell is ball balling out, out there. Um, made multiple plays in that extremely boring game. Like that was the one thing you're like, oh, 98 Purcell. He's doing stuff out there. He kind of looks like Domata Pekka because he's got the hair coming out of the back and he's making plays from the interior of the defensive seconds. line. So on top of all that, this is the Denver sports pod and Mike Purcell from Highlands Ranch. So he is a local guy. Get that, uh, get that local angle in there to, to try and pull some votes. Um, most likely going to make the Denver Broncos after no one knew who he was when he came in. Ah. You got it with three seconds to spare. All right. Well, you guys got to let us know who you think won the week. I'll be putting a poll on Twitter. You can also comment on the on bsintember.com. Thank you to everyone who has left beautiful reviews. They've all been so, so I nice. I know. They're like getting me emotional. <laughs> like I read through some of these. And I'm like, people are so nice. I'm sure this, will, uh, this is a honeymoon that will end <laughs> at some point. People will start getting on us real soon, but... You guys. I'm sure there'll be some <laughs> angry fans of some college football team this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, Both yes, sides. Will. We'll divide the party here real quick. <laughs> all right. We'll keep doing it. We really, really appreciate all of your support. Remember to subscribe to the Denver Sports Podcast feed, and we will see you guys next week.